Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. All right, hey, we're gonna jump into the Word uh, this morning, and I'm excited to be with you. Obviously, everybody in the room is excited to be with you as well. Can you give it up for everyone watching at our 9, our 11, our 6 p.m. service? Love you, love you, love you. I'm gonna give you an air hug digitally through the camera right now. Hey, uh, before we go to the Word, uh, I do wanna do something we do every single week. I wanna just encourage you around your giving for a moment, if I could, and uh, thank you again for being incredibly generous during this season. I know that it is so, so challenging as many are receiving job notices and furloughs and stuff seems to be shrinking down, uh, yet even this in this season, our church remains incredibly faithful, and I'm so grateful for all of you that give on a consistent basis and call this place home and continue to support the ministry of the Father's House. Um, I was praying for you this week, specifically over the job situation, because I, I received a couple of text messages this week from people who uh, were, were notified by their employers that they will not be heading back to work, and just praying that God's people would be provided for, and that there would be opportunities that maybe wouldn't be afforded to others, and resumes and applications would go to the top of the stack. And uh, I was reading through the book of Ecclesiastes with uh, uh, my Bible reading guys, because we're not depressed enough, we just needed to uh, find more ways to uh, be depressed and all is meaningless and everything's happened before and life is terrible. But uh, there is at least one encouraging verse, verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, it's in chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to declare this over you and then pray it over you. Uh, it says, send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow back to you. Another translation says, give generously for your gifts will return to you. Uh, in, in the New King James, I think it says, throw your bread upon the waters or cast your bread upon the waters and after many days, you will find it again. Uh, there is an irrefutable, replete principle in scripture that as we give, as we continue to sow, regardless of what our personal season looks like financially, that God is a debtor to no man, that he will ensure that all of your needs are provided for. And as you give today, whether it's on the app or the website, tfh.church, or you come drop it off on my doorstep or whatever you're gonna do, uh, I just believe that you serve a God that is a provider. And this scripture holds true along with every other promise in this word that he will provide for his children. So let me pray over your finances and then we're gonna get into the word. Jesus, I thank you that one of the many promises you made to us as your kids is that you're gonna provide for us. We don't have to concern ourselves about tomorrow or what we're gonna wear or what we're gonna eat. But you said uh, the pagans, they think about all those things, but not so for the children of God. For the children of God, we can rest assured that you have our tomorrow spoken for, that you have all of our needs met. And so we trust you today. And even as we give, whether it's in, uh, in plenty or in lack, we just declare that this is a seed. This is trust in you. And as we cast our seed out on the waters, Lord, we know according to your word that there shall be a blessing that comes back to us in due season. We trust you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Well, hey, um, I do want to echo what uh, David said just a moment ago, and that will, in fact, be the theme of uh, the sermon today. In fact, David, I just feel like you were preaching up here a moment ago. That was amazing. So new sermon coming to you soon, new preacher coming to you soon. But I do want to strongly encourage everyone who is able to make it out this Tuesday to our worship walk. Um, I have so missed our gatherings together. I, I missed the opportunity to worship with the body of Christ on a Sunday morning in this space. And I know we got a little taste of it for a couple weeks and then it was taken away, uh, like the toys that your parents took away from you when you went into timeout. But um, I, I, I think the thing I miss the most about our gatherings is pursuit. 
that Tuesday once a month where we just got together and we had no other agenda but to worship Jesus and to pray and to take communion. That was such a special time here at the Father's house. I used to say, and I still say, that that was the gas in the tank. That was the engine that kept our church running. You know, what happened on Sunday morning was great, but the fuel in the fire was this, this atmosphere of worship that we created. We just cried out to God with no other agenda but to be with him on Tuesdays. And I have so missed that over the last couple of months. And uh, we were expecting that at this time we would be able to do it again in our space, but obviously that's not the case. And so uh, we were getting creative, trying to find ways where we could do pursuit and still gather the church, but do it in a safe way. Uh, hence the, the worship walk, where we're gonna make our way onto the great highway with masks on and uh, the Levites are gonna lead us down the great highway. And whether it's you know freezing cold or really warm, whatever the case may be, we're just gonna worship Jesus together, cry out to our King and believe that even as a few hundred saints do so on the great highway on the west side, west side of the city, that the presence of Jesus can fall in every quadrant, every avenue, every street, every back alley, corner, wherever, that the presence of Jesus can meet us where we're at. So I want to encourage you uh, to be there. But um, I know that even as we encourage you to do that, there's probably some people asking, maybe even some folks in the room tonight, uh, hey, are, are we supposed to do that? <laughs> Like, is that sanctioned? Um, is it okay for us to sing? Because last I checked, I'm pretty sure that we've been asked not to do that. So, Pastor Tim, are you asking us to do something that's illegal? <sighs> Maybe. And I want to spend the rest of the sermon answering that question to the best of my ability. Why? Are we asking you to come out and sing in the current environment that we find ourselves in? In fact, if you'd like to take notes today, I want to title this chat, How Can I Sing at a Time Like This? How Can I Sing at a Time Like This? And if that is too long for you, I think Ati somewhere in the room mentioned to me that that sermon title was a little bit too long. So if you'd like an abbreviated one, uh, you can call it Harps in a Tree. But I don't like that one. We're going to go with How Can I Sing <laughs> at a Time Like This? Uh, in March of 2019, um, I preached a message called The Weapon of Worship. Um, at that time, we were in a series in the book of James called Practical Faith, and we were looking at how to practically apply the, the words of James the Apostle to our day-to-day -day life, and about three or four weeks into that series, I just had this sense from the Holy Spirit that we needed to put something on pause and, and tap into what I believed he was saying in the moment about worship. Uh, the week prior, I'd gotten a number of emails and text messages from folks in our church who were going through a really difficult season, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to remind the bride how powerful it is when we lift up our voices together and worship. And so as we've done for the last few weeks in the middle of this season, we kind of hit pause for a week there, and we just begin to talk about how worship, the simple act of lifting up a song among the gathered saints, can become a weapon against our adversary. And we honed in on this narrative in the book of Second Chronicles, this story of a guy named Jehoshaphat who was king of Judah at the time. And he found himself in a moment, in a season where there were a number of armies that had united against the tribe of Judah. Uh, the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, they united and they surrounded the armies of God. And, and, and the people of God were, were terrified and they were wondering, okay, how are we going to get out of this thing? They're, they're larger than us. They're more powerful than us. It looks like things are going to end poorly. And so they do what any good Christian does. They kind of throw their hands up in the air and they begin to pray. I said, Lord, we don't know what to do. I mean, you see the enemy that's surrounding us. They're going to take us out. But even though we don't know what to do, here's our confession. Our eyes, our attention, our focus 
is on you. What do you want to do in this moment? And God begins to give them a, a rather peculiar battle plan. He says, all right, here's the deal. Here's what I want you to do. Grab the, the musicians, the Levites, the worship team, the, the, the skinny jean wearing, essential oil drenched, facial hair combed, you know, soft-spoken musicians. I want you to get those guys. No offense to any of you in the room. <laughs> and I want you to send them out onto the battlefield. But I don't want you to give them a sword. Now, in fact, I don't want them to take any weapons on the battlefield. I just want them to walk out there and begin to sing a song. Very simple song. The Lord is good. His faithful love endures forever. Just send them out there to sing that song, and let's see what happens. I can imagine being the army commander, like coming to the musicians and trying to tell them at that moment, hey, here's what we're gonna do. Like knock on the door of the green room and like, hey guys, um, if you could set down your tea and your single origin pour over coffee for just a moment. I'm making our musicians sound so pretentious, I love it. They're not like that at all. Uh, here's the deal, God has need of your services. Um, you see that, that army out there, the massive one that's gonna take us out and kill us? Yeah, um, here's what I want you to do. Uh, if you could just go out there and grab your harps and, and just, just sing a little ditty and we're gonna see what happens. I'm sorry, como? What, what do you want us to do? Like, no, just, just go out there and sing and we'll see what happens. But the Levites say, okay, if this is what God wants, we're gonna trust the word of the Lord even though it doesn't make sense. It doesn't align with what we see with our eyes and the strategy seems insignificant, but okay, we're gonna go sing. And they walk out onto this battlefield and they begin to sing this very simple song. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And the Bible tells us that in that moment as they begin to lift their voices, that the Lord sent ambushes against the armies of Ammon and Mount Seir and, and Moab. And, and God began to fight a battle that his people could not win. He began to deploy heaven's armies on behalf of his people. And in one moment, they didn't have to lift up a sword. They didn't have to throw any rocks or whatever weapons they used in that time. All they had to do was lift up their voice. And as they sang, their worship became a weapon and God defeated their enemies. Now, like every good sermon, in that sermon I had three points, as the Lord has commanded for his orders. And if you remember those three points, there's special treasure in heaven for you. But during that first point, I began to talk about a scripture very briefly that the Lord awakened to me again this last week as we began to think about this pursuit gathering on Tuesday and a scripture that I wanna dive into for just a couple of moments if I could because I believe as a young church, as this church that's just under two years old, we once again find ourselves in a situation where we need to be reminded that worship can be a weapon. That we need to be reminded of the fact that just the simple act of saints gathering together and lifting up their voice has the ability to change things on this side of heaven. It can shift an atmosphere. It can take out an army. It can heal a pandemic. It can do anything when the saints lift up their voices. And so I, I wanna look at this scripture in the book of Psalm, uh, Psalms, and it's in uh, Psalms chapter 137, verses one, two, and four. It says, beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of the poplar trees. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while we are here in a pagan land? It's a very sad psalm. Uh, this psalm was written in a season where God's people, the Israelites, had been carried away in exile in Babylon. They'd been uh, defiant and they'd turned their backs on God and over time, God continued to warn them, if you don't turn back to me, I'm gonna hand you over to your, your enemies, and sure enough, he did. 
Babylonians came in and they destroyed Jerusalem. They decimated the temple of God. And before they knew it, the same people that were once enslaved in Egypt found themselves back in chains, making their way to a new home in slavery once again. Exiled, their, their, their city destroyed, their temples destroyed, their homes decimated. It was a rough season. And this psalm captures the heart of a devastated and exiled people. They sit by the rivers of Babylon and they begin to recall what they once had in Jerusalem. They begin to remember what it was like. Like, hey, do you remember like, remember when we used to gather together and we'd enjoy meals freely and there was this like, this intimacy that we shared among the congregation, the, the people that called upon the name of God. Remember that? Remember what it was like when we pulled our chariot up in front of church and there were people out there waving signs and I'm glad you're here. Or you look great, which at first was a little bit awkward. I'm like, you don't even know me, but then kind of made me happy and thought, yeah, I do look great. And then I got out of my car and walked up these stairs and Pastors gave me this really awkward hug, but I kind of liked it. And then, you remember like afterwards, we'd just kind of hang out on the porch and we'd sip coffee and drink donuts together. Drink donuts, eat donuts together. <laughs> remember what it was like when there were those, those few seconds in that building when we were all lifting up our voices and it felt like God himself had walked into the room. He was just walking through the rows and everything we walked in with just seemed to get thrown down at the feet of Jesus in a moment in his presence. You remember what that was like? Remember what Jerusalem was like? Remember what the house of God was like? But that's all just a distant memory now. That's, that's, that's in the past. Now, here we are, our, our joy, our freedoms, everything has been robbed from us and we find ourselves devastated, depressed, without, enslaved exiled. There was a time when, when we used to just pick up our harps and we would sing the songs of the Lord. Do you, do you remember that? When we would just pick up our harps and we would just, just cry out to God? I don't know if this is coming through the microphone, but we're going to try. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praise. Okay, listen. I learned how to play guitar like in the 90s, and there was like six chords in all of the worship songs back then. So this is all I know, so just deal with it. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came. but you didn't come to save us this time. You, you, you didn't show up, and so here we are, and we're in Babylon, and you know what? These harps that we used to play, they don't really do us any good anymore. I'm just gonna, just gonna hang them up in the trees. I'm just gonna leave that sitting there. It doesn't, it doesn't really serve any purpose any longer. How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a pagan land. And then comes the question, 
the question that we're considering today. How could we worship at a time like this? How could we sing right now? It just doesn't make any sense. But I believe that if God could have responded in that moment, I believe that if, if God had, had answered from heaven as they asked what seemed to be a rhetorical question here in Scripture, and I believe if God could respond to every person who would say that their song has been silenced in this season and they're asking, how could I sing at a time like this? I believe this is what he would say. At a time like this, how could you not? How could you not lift up your voice right now? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Worship is an invitation for transformation. Oh, worship is an invitation for transformation. In other words, worship does not echo the existence, the environment around you. Worship is not simply informative. It's not like, okay, well, everything is good around me right now, and my, my life aligns with the declaration that I'm making in this song, and since everything around me is pleasant and my circumstances are good, suddenly God is now worthy of my worship and he's worthy of my praise, so now I have the ability to lift my song. No, quite the contrary. Worship doesn't identify, it doesn't give information about the situation you find yourself in. It brings transformation to the situation you find yourself in. It is the invitation of God himself to invade something that is not good, a situation where it is not well, and yet at the entrance of his presence, he can begin to shift things for good. Uh, let, let, me, let me illustrate what I'm, I'm saying. Um, many of us have become very familiar with these. You know what this is right now? Uh, yeah, this, this is a thermometer. Uh, the thing that, you know, people are scanning you with every single time you walk into any public space these days. Isn't it awkward too, by the way? Like, think about this for just a moment. Before COVID, this was a very private thing to do, right? <laughs> no one was getting their temperature taken in public. It's like, hey, I get my temperature taken at my house. You know, if I'm sick, my mom comes, she rums my tum-tum, she takes my temperature in bed, you know, or, you know, maybe if I go to the doctors, but still, it's behind closed doors, and I mean, no one's watching, now this has become a very like invasive public act. Like, all right, stand there and take it. You know, that's what, that's what we do. It's super awkward. I was at a, a restaurant the other day with a couple of guys from the church. And uh, as we sat down to eat, the waiter came over and he showed us the QR code in the middle of the table and said, hey, scan that with your phone and you'll be able to see the menu. And so we're sitting down and we, we start to scan the QR code. And like out of nowhere, like a ninja, this guy just starts to like take our temperatures. Like, whoa, whoa, buddy, what are you doing? Like, I, fe I felt like my personal space was, was, was absolutely, like, invaded upon. Like, I'm like, whoa, uh, oh, okay, I guess, I guess we're doing this. Here we go, <laughs> you know? Like, before COVID, those would have been grounds for a lawsuit. Like, bro, what are you doing? Now that's how people respond if you don't do it, though, right? You know, it's like, hey, you better take everyone's temperature. And let's just be grateful that they're these and not, you know, the ones that go under your tongue or, you know, God forbid, the other ones, because that would be awkward. Um, <laughs> but... It gets really awkward. Have you been in one of these situations where somebody is almost denied access because of their temperature? Have you been in one of those yet? Oh, let me tell you a fun story. So uh, my wife and I and a couple of friends go to uh, this place in Napa, and we're getting ready to uh, pull into this parking lot to eat. 
And as we're ready to pull into this parking lot, there's like a, a concierge or a security guard, whatever you want to call her. And she's standing there at the entrance of the parking lot and she's masked and she's gloved and she's shielded and she's got a, a thermometer in hand. And she's like, hey, before you go any further, I need to make sure I take your temperature. And so she comes around the car and, you know, she takes my temperature and it was, uh, it was uh, below average, which is t- pretty typical for my life. Um, <laughs> and then uh, she goes around the rest of the car and takes everyone's temperature and everyone's fine. And then she gets to my wife and she puts her, her, uh, her thermometer on Robin's forehead and she's like, oh. She's like, let's try this again real quick. And she does it again. And Robin's like, oh no, is something wrong? And she's like, well, you know, it's a little bit high. Have you been sitting in the sun? And she's like, no, I've been sitting in the car. Maybe the sun is coming through the window. And she's like, well, let's try it one more time. And I saw my moment. I, I saw an opportunity before me. I said, hey, listen, it's fine. She just runs hot. <laughs> yeah. You like that? It's, not, it's, it's all yours. Maybe what we do when we get back to church, we'll have all the single people do the thermometers out front. <laughs> Be like, too hot. Let me get your digits. I'll let you know when you can come back to church. Hey. I'm just here to help you out, whatever you need, all right? But, but here's the thing about a thermometer. A, a thermometer is simply informative. All it does is tell you about what exists. It, it can't change anything. It just, it just tells you what is. If I scan the room right now, it's, uh, it's about 67 degrees in here right now. It's just telling me the condition of the environment that I find myself in. It simply echoes the environment. If I were to put one of these in every single chair, all 800 of them in this auditorium, and was somehow able to hit the button simultaneously, it's not going to change anything in the environment. It's simply going to tell me the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I wonder how many believers right now are living life like a thermometer. Just beep. Oh, yep, things are terrible. Beep. Oh, yeah, the bills aren't paid. Beep. Oh, yeah, pandemic is still going. Beep. Oh, can't go to church. Oh, beep. Can't sing. Oh, beep, 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 beep. Everything's bad. And instead of understanding that they have the capacity to shift their environment, they simply echo their environment. They simply begin to resonate with whatever situation they find themselves in because they do not realize that worship is an invitation for transformation. Worship doesn't echo the environment, it transforms the environment. See, if I want an environment to change, I cannot do it with a thermometer. I I need something greater than a thermometer. I need a thermostat. See, with a thermostat, it does tell me what the condition of the room is, but a simple act on my part has the ability to change the environment I find myself in. If it's too hot, I can turn it down. If it's too cold, I can turn it up. Just simply taking responsibility for the condition of the room allows me to change my environment. Let me say it like this. In and of, the, in and of itself, a thermostat is not very powerful. It's a piece of plastic, probably a couple of wires running around there. I don't know how technology works, but I'm sure there's a circuit board or something. But it doesn't really do much by itself. Yet, once it's connected to something that's more powerful than the environment it finds itself in, come on, somebody. Once it's attached to a power source, suddenly it has the ability, with the turn of a dial or the click of a button, to blow air from one space into another space and to begin to displace whatever existed prior to that moment. Oh, come on, somebody. We about to get Pentecostal with some HVAC systems up in here, okay? 
Your understanding of what happens during worship will determine what kind of a priority you put on it. If worship is nothing more than a warm-up for a sermon, if it's nothing more than a, a, a cheesy music genre, or, or nothing more than a place for the musicians that couldn't make it in the real world, I don't believe that. I'm just throwing out things that people have said. If that's all we think worship is, then guess what we're going to do? We're going to be a whole bunch of these in the spirit. Oh, things are bad. Things are bad. They're still bad. I will wait until my environment tells me that it is time for me to worship. But until the numbers on here align with the way I feel, then I'm just going to stay silent for a little bit. But the moment we begin to realize that our worship is not a thermometer, it is in fact a thermostat, suddenly we have the ability to lift up our voice and we can shift the environment we find ourselves in. With the simple act of turning up a song, we can let the wind of God begin to blow into a space, blow into a car, blow into a city and it can change the environment it finds itself in. Make no mistake, the devil wants to silence our song right now. This might feel like it's a governmental structural thing. It is demonically based. Any moment that the song of the church is silenced, look back through the history, look back through the dark ages, the spirit of God begins to get quenched. But the second the church begins to lift their voice, the second the church says, we're going to lift our voices anyway in this season. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I know what, what people have said. I know that this is outlawed right now, but I'm going to lift up my voice. In that moment, the Spirit of God begins to move in a way that God has been longing to move, but he's just been waiting for somebody to turn the dial. Hey, listen, if you don't like the way things feel right now, it's time to turn up. It's not, not like that. <laughs> turn down for what? No, it's... It's time to turn up the volume. It's time to turn up the worship. It's time to lift up a song. Because his presence in an environment can change anything. We have the capacity, we have the ability, by simple act of song, to change houses, neighborhoods, cities, states, nations, simply by lifting up our voice. That preach is good, it gets a few amens, but um, at this point, all I've told you about is thermostats and thermometers, and I'm pretty sure neither of those exist in scripture. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a little Bible to this to back it up, okay? Because right now it's just concept. Uh, Jesus said that the true worshipers would worship him in spirit and in truth. And so let's add a little bit of truth to this equation so, so, so that we can do something by faith knowing that it is in fact backed up by the eternal word of God. Write this down. God's will has always been for heaven to touch earth. The will of the Father has always been that the realities of heaven would be made manifest on earth. You go back to the beginning of time, what do you see? You see the Garden of Eden. What is it? That is a reality of God's existence. It's heaven established here on earth. Perfection, no sin. That's how this whole thing started. And the redemptive plan of scripture is that we would find ourselves getting back to an Eden-like space. That there would be this cry in the heart of a believer to see heaven established on earth. If you look at the way Jesus told his disciples to pray, what did he say? Hey, pray, Father, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, hey, your will be done on earth until we get to heaven. <laughs> he said, your will be done on earth right now as it is in heaven. He has commissioned us to call heaven down to earth. That, that, that is one of our job descriptions. Now, 
since he's commissioned us to call heaven down to earth, we have a responsibility in the matter. This is something that Jesus has asked us to do, but, but there is a prerequisite involved in all of this. Let me, let me read you a scripture and, and see if you can find the prerequisite. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did, did you see the prerequisite there? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Honored be your name. Worshiped be your name. Adored be your name. Once the name of the Father has been worshiped, we can now graduate to the next line. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, there is worship required there's a prerequisite of worship in order for heaven to come to earth. Let me say it like this. Heaven's realities require heaven's environment. We must create the environment of heaven to begin to see the realities of heaven made manifest here on earth. Permission to go deep for just a moment? Put on your water wings. Here we go, okay? The apostle John in the book of Revelation has been exiled to the island of Patmos, and he begins to, to receive a number of heavenly visions from, from Jesus and the Spirit of God. And, and there's a lot of stuff he writes. Some of it's crazy. I don't understand 98% of Revelation, okay? If you're into Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and all that weird stuff, then you, by all means, you should read Revelation. It's right up your alley. But in Revelation chapter five, John begins to give this throne room picture of what's happening right now in heaven. And take a look at what he says in Revelation chapter five, verse 11. He says, then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. John begins to articulate what the atmosphere of heaven looks like right now. As you sit in this room, as you sit in your car, as you sit in your living room, wherever you're at right now, this is what is happening in heaven. There are millions of angels and elders and creatures and they're surrounding the throne of Jesus and they're just lavishing him with worship. Blessing, honor, glory, power be unto the lamb that was slain. That, that is what's happening in the heavenly realm right now. But according to John, we have been issued an invitation to join in with the chorus of heaven, to join in with the angels and with the elders and with the creatures and begin to sing with one voice in one accord, blessing honor and glory and power be unto the lamb that was slain whether you sing like an angel or you're tone deaf it does not matter we have all been invited in to this space to begin to join our song join our voices with heaven and something happens when we begin to sing when our atmosphere begins to look like heaven's atmosphere Suddenly the heavens become thin. Suddenly the reality that Jesus spoke about in this scripture, where he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Suddenly, heaven 
begins to touch earth. There's an atmosphere where Jesus exists. It's an atmosphere of worship. And the reason he's invited us to join in is because he wants to inhabit our praise. He wants earth to create an atmosphere where he can rule and he can reign just as he does in heaven. But heaven's realities require heaven's environment. And so when we create that environment here on earth, he says, there is a space, there's a living room, there's a car, there's a church, there's a city, there's a place where I can begin to invade it with my presence because worship is taking place there. We've hallowed his name. Now his kingdom can come and his will can be done. When heaven comes, the realities of heaven become the realities of earth. Let's think about what are the realities of heaven right now? There's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no depression, there's no worry about tomorrow, there's no divorce, there's no prejudice, there's only joy, and peace, and comfort, and provision, the glory of God in that space. He says, I'm giving you access to that now. I'm giving you access to that space now. How? Just create an environment of worship. Create a space where your melody matches our melody and then heaven can touch earth. Can I suggest to you today that there is perhaps no greater need in our world than for heaven to touch earth right now? There is perhaps no greater need than the realities of heaven to become earth's realities right now. We're like the turn of a thermostat when the air begins to blow into that space and displace all the air that was there prior. Jesus begins to invade a city or invade a church or invade a home and he begins to push out all of the other authorities that have tried to rise up against him. Where there's been division and where there's been pain and where there's been sickness and where there's been lack, in one moment as we turn up a song, he can begin to enter into that space and shift earth's realities so that they match heaven. I believe that that's available to us. That's why we're worshiping unsanctioned on Tuesday. That's why we're asking people to lift up a song. How could you sing it at a time like this? How could you not? If this is what it takes to see heaven touch earth, sign me up, tone deaf and all, sign me up. I'm gonna lift my voice and I'm gonna begin to sing. And so, not only do I wanna invite you to, to Tuesday, I wanna invite you to do something a little bit different as we conclude today. I wanna invite you to make a space for heaven to touch wherever you're at right now. To, to make some room for God. To, to allow for the realities of that song we sang a couple of moments ago, for fear to bow, for hope to be renewed for the glory of God to touch the space where you're at. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna turn up some worship here. You can turn up the dial on your TV or your phone or your headphones or whatever you're watching on. But I just wanna invite the Holy Spirit to come into this space. I wanna invite God to meet us where we're at. If you're in the room, you can stand to your feet as well. Let's do this. Jesus, right now we invite you. To come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We sing blessing and honor, glory and power. We join our song with the angels today. We join our song with the elders and with the creatures that surround the throne. And although it might feel a little bit weird and we don't quite understand what's happening, God, we ask right now, heaven, 
come into our space. Come into every living room, come into every car, come into every building, wherever we're at today, wherever we're worshiping you, we pray that heaven would begin to invade our space. We exalt you, we hallow you, we worship you, we honor you, we adore you. You're the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. You're the captain of the Lord's army, Jesus. You are the healer, you are the provider. And we exalt you today over any situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, we know that we've been asked not to sing, but right now we lift up our voices and we declare the goodness of God while we're here in the land of the living. And we ask Holy Spirit, would you begin to invade our city, invade our state, invade our nation? Do a miracle. May the realities of heaven begin to touch earth. May the realities of heaven displace anything that the enemy has tried to throw our way for the last couple of months. We exalt you in this space. Have your way. Take your rightful place of authority right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship him for a couple of moments. We taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.